I'm Sinead O'Moore and you are listening to Every Mum the Podcast, supported by Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland, made with simply two ingredients and nothing else. From fertility to birth, careers, relationships and to taking care of ourselves, here we talk about the real experiences of parenthood. The love, the loss, the unexpected and the moments that we don't talk enough about. This season is supported by one of the most essential products for every mum. From that first nappy change to those messy winning months. Water Wipes winners of seven National Parenting Product Awards 2022, including Best Baby Wipes, are ideal for delicate newborn skin. Together, we are committed to providing more support for parents with trusted products and this podcast. This week, we are joined by comedian Julie J for an uplifting, ball-juggling mam chat. From life on the road with a toddler to bringing all her energy to the stage, we talk about how it's challenging to find a work-life rhythm as a comedian and mother. Her latest show, Oops, This Is Toxic, is a massive success. Described by Joanne McNally as a joy to watch and by Tommy Tiernan as the funniest thing he's seen in a long, long time. But a pessimist by nature, Julie shares how she never believed motherhood would be something she'd ever be fortunate enough to live. It was something that happened to other people, but not for her. Meeting husband Fred Cook changed all that. Bringing Ted into the world in 2020 changed all that. And here, we are reminded that we never know what lies ahead. But a sense of humour most certainly helps. Julie, thank you so much for joining me on Every Mum the Podcast. You are a busy lady, as we were just talking about, and no more so because wonderful Ted is now in the mix. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Sinead. I'm delighted to be here. Delighted yes, busy, to have you. busy, busy. Um, we were just talking about that, how it's funny. It's just when you add a child into the mix, it's just a whole different ball game in terms of organisation. So it's a little bit chaotic at the moment, but in the best possible way. And of course, when people kind of return to work, when most women are returning to work, they have like structure and a system. But the type of work that you do means that it's kind of all up in the air and you're trying to grab those balls as they, as they land. I'm just grabbing random balls <laughs> left, right and centre, Sinead. Balls are coming at me. Them. I don't know who owns the balls. I don't know where they're coming from, but I'm grabbing them. They um, might not be Fred's balls, but they're They might not balls. be Fred's balls, but he's in the industry too, so he gets yeah. it. But I think, yeah, it's, I mean, it is, I you know, it's something that I do worry about a bit because... You know, people always say kids need routine, they need structure. And I really do believe in that. But it is just hard when like our both myself and my husband, Fred, like obviously the fact that we're both comedians and we both work in the industry, we kind of don't have a structure. So then it's really hard to have a routine for Ted. So even, you know, I like, you know, basic things like there are some nights where I might not be here to put him to bed and. Fred Knight might not be here to put him to bed and you'd love to be in a situation where every night you could put him to bed so that's one of the things that really gets me because I'm like oh I'd, I'd love just even that level of routine 
But unfortunately, it's just kind of not possible, I guess, with what we do. In, on the flip side, it might make him a little bit more flexible. You know, some well, kids, I when they stick so. to that routine, it's it, they're so like they can't sleep then without the blankie or the teddy or the thing or the, you know, they can't sleep on the go if they're really used to the cot nap all the time and a certain time of day. Maybe this will allow him to just be a bit more like Sherlock. Well, I I mean, it's, you know, I think like, so it's either myself or Fred, obviously we tag team it, but so at least one of us is here. So in terms of the times, I do try to stick to the times, Hmm. but we end up traveling so much that even with naps and stuff, it's just, it's, it's kind of, it's just really unpredictable. And even one thing we've kind of learned is, you know, sometimes if we're doing stuff, we might be offered accommodation and we'll bring Ted along but like sometimes it just doesn't work you know if you're in a hotel or whatever and I think he just prefers to be at home so that's one thing we're trying to do is just kind of work around him a bit more um so I mean I hope that kind of does help in terms of settling him a bit but yeah I mean maybe it might make him a bit kind of laissez-faire but it's either that or I, I you know it's either that or it'll kind of go the other way so you just you just don't know You'd kind of know by now if he's the type of kid that you can just, you know, throw him into the car seat, hit the road for journeys and he's not losing his mind. Like that's a win given the type of role that you're in. Yeah, well, Ted is on the road so much. I think like honestly, Barack Obama Plaza, I'd say, <laughs> is where he thinks we live now. Like he thinks that's home. That's um, his funky so, monkeys. <laughs> yeah. And he's great. You see, I just kind of want him with me all the time, which I don't know is the most sustainable form of parenting. So. It's something even in the last few weeks, myself and Fred are having conversations about because I because I want Ted with me all the time. Like I will bring him on the road with me a bit. Um, And obviously so will Fred, but I think more so with me. I just really I just hate being away from him. I really do. But I, I, I have kind of said to myself the last few weeks, you know what, maybe it's better if he stays at home because we live in West Kerry. So we're quite far from places as well. Um. But I think if we kind of orbit around Ted, you know, tag team it a bit more, it might be better for him. So there is a bit of that with parenting as well. You know, sometimes you kind of, it's an obvious thing to say, but you do have to put the Baba first. Like I just want him with me for cuddles all the time. And I just love his little face. My daughter is almost two and I'm just adoring her right now. I mean, she's also though, absolutely driven towards danger. Yes, so how do you cope with that in Barack Obama Plaza? Well, it's, yeah, it's, I think at that age, because I don't know if your daughter is the same, but Ted now hates baby seats. Like, he's like, I'm beyond that. Yeah. Like, he's not, like, he's he will sometimes sit into a baby chair at a table, but I think he really is like, no, like that that phase is over. Um, yeah, it can be a bit chaotic, especially in Barack Obama Plaza, because they've real cutlery there. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Barack Obama Plaza. We love it. <laughs> we do, um, we do. But yeah, so it is, you know, it's a bit of a crystal maze situation at times. Yeah, because, you know, when they're little, you can kind of control them. You know, they're, they're once they start moving, they're their own person. And you don't, you have to kind of relinquish some of that control when they're like out in the world. And because of the type of work that you're doing, you might be bringing him to different environments all the time. And I'm finding I'm losing my life right now if I'm walking into an environment because I have to like scan like something at a Mission Impossible to just I, I completely scan the room like laser beams of like danger, 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 danger. 
How do you do that in all the different places that you might end up in a month? Well, it is, I guess... Yeah, I mean, it, that's a very good analogy, Mission Impossible. Mm. You know, you are kind of scanning the room for danger all the time. But like, you think you spot the dangers and then they find a scissors <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? You think you've all bases covered and you never do. I mean, it is, you know, I remind myself that it's great that he's at that age where he's rambunctious and he's running mm. around. Like, obviously, when he was a small baba, it was kind of easier to protect him from these dangers, especially when you're in like, green rooms you're in hotels you're in petrol stations you're in different places but like even say eating out I do find that quite challenging and I don't know is it because Mm. you know there's an element of because he was a COVID baby that like I guess I kind of imagined my maternity leave like going for a lot of brunch but that didn't happen so you know I came into society yeah, so it's kind of a learning curve for the two of us. And usually he's very good, but sure, it just kind of depends on the day. Because I'm naturally quite an anxious person. You know, I'm a bit of a panicker anyway. Um, so I guess it's trying to contain the panic. Like I'm lucky in that my husband, Fred, is the very opposite of that. Hmm. Like he's very chill. So I think between the two of us, we're quite, it's a bit of a balanced approach. But I guess it's about... Like what I'm learning is as well, you know, it's kind of panic by osmosis. So if I'm panicking, you know, the kids are so obviously they're so in tune with us and our energies that like if I'm kind of panicking and, Mm -hmm. you know, really stressed about all the potential hazards around, like he's going to pick up on that. And I would hate him to kind of, I guess, be more anxious because of me. So, you know, even when faced with the big scissors, I try to keep it calm. Have you discovered parts of yourself that you didn't know since he came along that you've been like, oh, I am that type of woman or mother or I do feel that way or I do think that way and I never thought I would? Yeah, I think when you always say, oh, I'm never going to be kind of, a you know, a helicopter parent and I'm going to give them space and I'm going to let him run free and do his own thing and all the rest. But then you go to the playground and he wants to get on the big boy slide and your heart is in your mouth. So, you know, I think that ultimately you know being a mom you're still the same person so because I'm kind of you know I'm a bit of a worry wart anyway I guess I am naturally going mm. to be that type of mom as well because you're still yourself aren't you really and mm. um, so it's about kind of I guess relearning things even for me as a person and actually that's one good thing you know I think because I've tried to limit the panic around Ted and limit the worry because I don't want it rubbing off on him Mm. that's actually probably kind of helped me overall like as an individual you know in other areas of my life as well because you kind of learn oh I kind of okay I can kind of retrain my brain and react differently um so that's kind of the main thing and then you know again I suppose before I had Ted I was very much like I can do everything and it'll be fine and you know, I think like most people would probably say this, that I definitely underestimated just how hard it would be as well in terms of just the juggle. Um, I really thought it would be easier, I suppose. And I, I underestimated just how hard it would be. In a way, we were lucky because we really got to stay home with Ted and got to spend so much time with him. And it, it, I mean, if it wasn't for COVID, we wouldn't have had that opportunity. So especially because the nature of our work means that we do kind of, we travel a lot. So we're never in the one place. Um, so I am really grateful for that. Do you think that has contributed to you wanting him to always be with you? 
Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and I think it is because Fred actually, what's unusual about the last couple of months is Fred has been the one who has been away all the time, mostly. So it's the last, you know, obviously the last couple of months I did Edinburgh and Fred and Ted were with me, but I was doing my own show there. Then I was doing Dublin Fringe and Ted was with me for Dublin Fringe because Fred was filming something. But just because I'm doing a tour now um, and like we were just saying, obviously with the tour, there's all that goes with the tour. So you're doing interviews and you're doing TV, radio bits that I'm away so much more now. And I think it's probably as well. I need to kind of adjust to being away from Ted, you know, and Ted and myself, like it, we are very close and he's a real, you know, he loves his mommy, he loves his daddy, but I think he does get quite upset when I go just because he's not used to me going as much as Fred. So I then get very upset, but that's something that I need to get to grips with because oh. the reality is I, is I am going to be away from him sometimes, but I think because Fred was kind of doing the Tommy Tiernan show and he was away when Ted was small. He wasn't away that much, but it was always he just came Ted and went and he came and yeah. went, whereas you were the so constant. I think Ted is just getting used to that, that Mammy does the same work. So Mammy will be away sometimes as well. And it does break your heart, you know, when you leave and he's crying and then you have to go do comedy. Like, you know, we're mm. all crying when I leave the house because I just get so upset to see him upset. But then then Fred always says, look, he's grand two minutes after you've left. Like, he's fine. And it's funny when he sees me, if I do telly bits or whatever, Fred says, like, you know, obviously he kicks up a fuss when I leave. But then when I'm on telly, he just says, off, off. He just <laughs> wants to, he just, he's like, no, no, he objects. He's like, she should be here. Turn it off. I'm not supporting this activity whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> do you think, though, that it fills you back up again. So by the time you walk back in that door, because you've had that, you know, I, I won't say break because work is not a break, but the distance, the the reclaiming a little bit of you, the stepping into the performance side of you and the little bit of like oomph that that will give you that you can settle in now to another week or two with them just being like, oh, okay, for sure. Yeah, now. yeah, totally. Because I mean, I love performing and even like with the show, you know, Fred always says, which I think is true, like I probably, I am a really hard worker behind the mm -hmm. scenes, so I am always doing stuff. So I think to kind of get the response that the show now is getting, it just kind of makes it all worthwhile. But it's also really important because I don't want to lose that part of myself. It's really important to me. Um. And it's just, yeah, it just makes me feel like myself. And if I didn't get to do that, I would be a completely different person. You know, I, I would feel very sad if I didn't get to do that side of things, because I just think it is, it just really kind of makes me happy, I suppose, as well. So like, that's the thing. It's like, you know, we kind of complain about the juggle, but then if the juggle wasn't there, I wouldn't be happy either. So like, you know, it's, I guess, you know, you're kind of damned if you but do, damned if you don't. It can very easily slip away from us. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think that was one thing now, um, you know, a few people in the industry who've had kids kind of advised me of that, that like, look, it is so hard, but to not step away from it completely because it's really hard to get back into it then. Mm. Now you can still get back into it, you know, absolutely. And I have, 
friends who have like a really good friends in the industry who did take a step back until maybe their kids were in school or something. And then they came back in and they absolutely could do that. And they are massively successful now. You know, they 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 have done it with the plan. But I think for me, I think I just want to still kind of, I suppose, maintain some presence um, in the industry as well, because I just think I'd be kind of scared. I, For me personally, I'd be scared if I stepped out away from it completely. I wouldn't kind of have the balls to come back. You know, I, I, I would be kind of terrified of, of that as well. So it's definitely a case where you have to say no to stuff. You can say yes to everything, but I do still want to say yes to some things. I think like, I mean, honestly, I do feel at times, even at the moment, maybe I've taken on too much and it's mm. feeling very mm. like, it, I, I feel it always, I feel with, with kind of the work I do, it's so ad hoc and so much of the work, like, you know, it's not necessarily paid or it's just a project mm. that you're hoping maybe might kind of develop into something further. So I, I do kind of feel like I have a full-time job, but then I'm very conscious when I have like a lot of things on and it involves a lot of traveling. I'm like, oh, this really is full-time, full-time. And it is so hard. Like I have such admiration for people who do the full-time, full-time all the time. Yeah. And, you know, then have the smallies as well. I mean, it really is so tough. And I think like, I'm really lucky with Fred because he does so much, but generally just speaking to my friends, I think, a lot of it does fall to the man, you know, and that's just, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not going to say that's just the way it is. But in my experience, I think that is kind of the norm in a way that more falls to the mammy. So even if mammy and daddy have the same job, it is just going to rest with the mammy in terms of the bills, you know, buying the presents, the appointments, the different things it 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 often kind of falls to the woman a little bit more so the fact that so many women are working full-time maybe doing more than their spouse or their partner it's it's just unbelievable and I think we really need to acknowledge that and recognize just how amazing women are and how much we're capable of I mean I'm sure before you had kids you're the same I never thought I had this level of ability in me and capacity like I was always somebody I loved my sleep I loved my alone time I mean all that obviously kind of goes out the window and still we're just kind of amazing like we just keep trucking do you know I mean no matter what the universe throws at us we just keep trucking and um, we so I think the life that we have yeah so I think just we are pretty amazing and like I'm lucky because Fred is brilliant you know he is he is great, but I just think as women, like, we're unbelievable. You spoke there that obviously you're both comedians. Yes. And in my experience of arriving into parenting, I've had to find a new level of sense of humour when it comes to certain things. Uh, mainly, you know, my children's bodily functions or take like laughing at the situation instead of getting completely like crippled by the situation that can it, sometimes I have to like I have to tell I have to a little like you and the brain training with the you know with worry I kind of been like okay you have a choice in this situation you have a choice you can either get incredibly angry or see the funny side 
as comedians, is that harder or easier to tune into? Well, I think we have a lot of humor in the house anyway. You know, we do have the crack. And I think exactly that, like you do have to laugh most of the time because I think, you know, kids are gas. Like they really crack you up and they're so much fun. And like, I think all smallies are just it's it's kind of impossible not to laugh with them because they're just finding the fun in everything. And one thing I really love about Fred is he always finds the fun. Um, and I knew he'd be a great dad, but he he's just even better than I ever hoped he would be. He's fantastic. And I just think himself and Ted, like they just have such a laugh together, the two of them. Um, they just really enjoy each other's company. And that just makes me so happy. But like, that yeah, you do. There's just there's a lot of laughter in the house, which is lovely. Are you getting some material from your child? <laughs> I mean, a bit. I kind of. I find it's more. I would take the piss out of Fred a lot because he would take the piss out of me. Like oh. that's kind of you know part of the deal. We take the piss out of each other. Um, I don't really talk about Ted. I don't know if I ref. Well, obviously, I talk about having kids and stuff, but yeah, I suppose um, less less him the person and more like the scenarios that you find yourself. Oh yeah, now kind of and navigating. I think that's what I think that's what comedy is. It it has to be like if something's funny, it has to be true. Mm. Um, not that's not to say you know sometimes people might stretch the truth a bit, but I think it has to be something that people see and recognize in themselves. That and lived. then they find it funny. Yeah. Mm. So I think the parenting is a big part of that for sure. And as you said, there are plenty in the industry that have kind of lent in and supported you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of support. And do you feel like that's that's kind of like wrapping around you? It's like, OK, you're we we're moms in this now. We have to we have to kind of rally and support each other. Oh, for sure. I think there's a real camaraderie in it, isn't there? And, you know, I think like moms really get it and they really get how hard it is. So I know there's been people that I've definitely, you know, I wouldn't necessarily have been as close to them before I had kids. But now that I have Ted, they've really kind of, you know, offered help and support and just like kind words I think and encouragement and just even I think for somebody else in the industry to say look it's really tricky now but it will like you will kind of get into this you know get into the swing of it and when he's in school it's going to be a little bit easier again and you know just really encouraging you um which is lovely and it sometimes it comes from really unexpected quarters Mm. as well which is nice yeah, I felt that that your relationship with some people can can change because there's now this kind of common respect or something. It's it's like you you might you you get each other at a different level because you know what you're all trying to just do. You know, to For get, sure. To have arrived on time, it's like even that, even that we all recognize as like this new win that we would have completely taken for granted before. Yeah. And I think there is there, there's just that loveliness in seeing one another. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's really nice to be seen, especially by your peers. This podcast is just one way that every mum can support you. Another amazing way is with our free gift bag packed full of essentials for you and baby, including free samples of water wipes, the number one wipe against nappy rash. 
To receive yours, just register now on everymum.ie. There's a free gift bag there waiting for every mum. Was motherhood always something that was in your hopes, in your view ahead? Oh, for sure. I always wanted to be a mammy, but it's funny. I never kind of thought it would happen to me in a way. I think because I spent a lot of my time, I'd say, especially when I was, I was younger, but it's something I'm still working on. I never really believed, which I know kind of sounds a bit crazy, but I never really believed I deserved happiness. Mm -hmm. Like I always thought, oh, that's for other people. Like I'm never going to be that lucky, you know, that I'm going to get to be a mammy and somebody's going to call me mammy and I'm going to be their mammy and well I think I was always very hard on myself you know Mm -hmm. that's something I kind of talk about a bit in my comedy but and in my in my show um oops this is toxic I kind of explore it a lot but I guess because you know I always had like lovely friends and people that loved me but I kind of thought like I guess a relationship uh, with somebody probably was something that I didn't really foresee myself like getting married for example um, and I also didn't really like I wanted to be a mammy but I didn't really see myself getting to be a mammy either I just kind of felt all those things relationships being a mammy whatever it might be um, that they were kind of beyond the realm of, of possibility for me a bit um, so then it was kind of a surprise because I met Fred I suppose Again, I'd been single for a long time and I kind of resigned myself to maybe, okay, I might not go down. Like I had considered doing it on my own as well. Um, And it was definitely something at the, I think, increasingly at the forefront of my mind. But even with that, I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, I would give it a go, but I probably wouldn't be lucky enough that it would happen to me kind of thing. You know, that was kind of my attitude. But then I kind of met Fred and I suppose it just shows, you know, like that things can kind of, you know, take you by surprise as well, because I was very happy being single when I met Fred, you know, I've been single for a long time and I suppose I wasn't kind of expecting to be in a relationship. And then it happened, like, you know, we were together. I think we were only, we were only maybe together like three years and then we had Ted, um, which I guess in the scheme of things, in terms of my only other relationships, wouldn't be that long. But I guess when you're in your late 30s, I think sometimes there's a bit of a fast forward mm. button on things. Um, and then so I guess having Ted, it just makes it more special because I never thought I would be this lucky. So it just means so much more to me because although I always wanted and hoped to be a mammy, it's like, you know, if you really want something, Mm. you dare not believe you just dare not believe it until it's actually happened you know that's how much I wanted it so yeah so that's why I think it's just having dead is extra special so you spoke there that you were really considering even going it alone like it was a real oh for sure yeah I had actually started I went and I had like a consultation and everything and then I met Fred well I obviously knew him from the scene but I kind of met him properly like a couple of weeks after that but I'd kind of started the process of just getting the information together and just kind of working out where I stood on things and stuff and then it was only a couple of weeks later I kind of met Fred properly and we kind of went on our first date the week after so it's funny how it kind of all happened around mm. the same time 
Um, so yeah, so that's kind of where I was, I suppose, when I met Fred. How quickly then did you and Fred have like open chats about, okay, kids, or at least for you, for you to be able to say to him, listen, kids are hopefully going to be part of my life. I think, you know, I probably didn't, I mean, I think I, we probably didn't bring it up for, um, you know, it's not something that came up straight away mm. because I didn't, you know, you want to kind of enjoy it's still the that other fear person. of like, yeah, you don't want to get too serious yeah. too soon. But as you said, like timeline plays an issue where you're at in your life plays an issue. And also if your head is already at a place of I want to make this happen with or without a person. Yeah. Well, I think we probably started chatting about it for real, maybe about a year in. Yeah. Um, And then we kind of started trying I would say probably soon after that um but it's not something that I definitely wanted to see where he stood with Fred and where we were as a duo before I kind of like he always knew like obviously I loved kids and you know I think he always knew that I wanted kids and I always felt from him that he he what he would want kids as well that was just the vibe but I didn't probably bring it up for about a year and then we started trying pretty soon after that and even then were you like we'll start trying but it won't happen oh yeah for sure like I definitely didn't think I just didn't think I was going to be lucky enough to you know make that happen I I just you know I really I I suppose because when I went for the consultation and I was told oh you know your egg count is quite low which is something a lot of women hear so then I now I'd kind of expected to have difficulty even before then because I am a bit of a pessimistic person Uh, when it comes to stuff that's my natural inclination but I just didn't really expect it to happen for us and then it did which was great did it make it even I suppose a little bit more emotional when it did actually happen oh for sure and you had completely convinced your brain that this wouldn't Yeah. And I think, you know, and a lot of women are probably the same that I didn't really, truly believe it until I had Mm. Ted in my arms. Mm. You know, I I really didn't. Yeah, there is a lot of that. And I think as well at the timeline of when you were pregnant, because you're not seeing people to make it feel real. You're not having those new milestone moments of, you know, strolling through an M&S baby. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Picking up your baby grows. It was quite bizarre. You're just kind of like at home growing. Yes. Is this real? Is it not? For sure. Yeah. And I think that that's it. It probably would have registered with me more if I, as you say, was kind of strolling around the baby sections and stuff like that. Like I always say it was a bit of a Kylie Jenner pregnancy. Like (laughs) I went into lockdown, nobody knew I was pregnant and I came out with a baby. Like, yeah. And he's like, I came out with like a young man because he's like, two now and people are meeting him for the first time you know we were at Kilkenny Cats Laughs and so many of the comedians were meeting him for the first time and do you know he's a little person now Mm, he's his own little person what was it like when he was finally in your arms then when he was born he was out you were officially there was no you had to to retrain your brain again being like no actually yeah it it was amazing it really was amazing like there's just there's no words I just like in that moment it really it really just didn't feel weird it just didn't feel real like it's a surreal moment to be honest um 
And yeah, it was just, I'd say the best word to describe it was just surreal to have him in my arms. And like, I just remember thinking like he was a lot bigger than I expected him to be. I think a lot of women are like that, that like what you expect the baby to be, it doesn't necessarily marry with then what's placed in your arms. You think, oh, hello. Like, Mm. where were you? (laughs) Yeah, there's just, it is. I think that that's why it is surreal because you just don't know what to expect and then the baby's in your arms and you're trying to process it all and you're like oh this is my baby like it's nice to meet you um but I just remember thinking how long he was he was so long and he was just like a really long baby and I was like I didn't expect you to be this long um but yeah I'll share like a lot of tears Mm. I mean just it's it's a feeling like no other and now you can go back and tell that old <coughs> old version of you that actually you are lucky enough. Good things oh, yeah. can happen to you. Well, I'd love to go back and say, you know, to my 21 year old self, you're going to be a mammy and you're going to absolutely adore your little boy and it's going to be great. But you see, you don't like, you know, you do, as I said, I guess, you know, you don't necessarily expect things to work out the way you want them to I suppose that's the nature of life as well like you know there are invariably disappointments in life and I suppose we're always kind of readying ourselves for the disappointments and really we should probably expect the best for ourselves wouldn't that be a nice way to be you're like the counterculture to manifestation I know I'm the opposite of manifestation you're the anti-manifester I'm the anti-manifester yes but it still worked. You met it the person. It still worked, yeah. You've got your baby. You've got your two-year-old. You've got your little person. You've got your career. You've got your comedy. You've got all those balls. There's a lot of balls. I know. And <laughs> you know what? Sometimes you do You do drop the ball. Like there are times as well where I think we need to be kind to ourselves because there are days where you might have to reschedule stuff or cancel stuff or... And I, that's something, cause I hate, you know, it's something I think a lot of women maybe are guilty of this, but I hate saying no, you know, I, I want to say yes, but you just can't say yes all the time. And even like, obviously not that you can be flaking left, right and center, but like not to be afraid to say, look, I actually can't do that. Yeah. Or something has changed. Like even now I'm looking at my calendar for the next week and I kind of said, you know, that I go up to Dublin and do something. And then I was like, you know what? I don't have to go up to Dublin and do that. You know what I mean? That I think being a mammy and it is one good thing. It makes you prioritize yourself and your own time a little bit more. Not that you suddenly have an excuse to say no to stuff necessarily because you shouldn't have to have an excuse to say no. But I think by necessity, being a mammy, you kind of have to say no a bit more, which is only a good thing. Yeah, I think it it gives us a more defined capacity in some ways. Like, when you when you do consistently make yourself perform a lot of roles in a lot of places with little ways to to restore your energy you're heading towards only one thing which is burnout and when your fo- your focus is on making sure that ted is well you know you are you need to be well too and it's like right you look at the calendar and you're like i don't I physically don't have the capacity. I don't have mm. 
I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the childcare. I don't have the energy. I would be best served sleeping right then, actually, in that little yes. window of time. Um, yeah, it kind of, it, whilst you can absolutely grow and expand to take on so much more than you ever thought possible, within your 24 hours, you can't. Yes. You have to cut things to get time back. But in the same respect, you, the person, can absolutely evolve and take on so much. And, and, and I'm sure even like standing up and performing, it's such a drain on your energy source. Like it's not just going oh, into yeah, work and sitting at the desk. Sure. Like you have to like be fully present in that and give so much to it. Do you kind of crash the next day? Is there like a little bit of kind of oh, post-performance? Yeah. Oh, for depiction? sure. Like last, I think after Dublin Fringe now, I did crash a bit because Fred was away. He was filming something for the week and I was doing Dublin Fringe and just childcare was so difficult. And I just, it was just a lot because poor old Ted was a bit sick as well. Um, they do so that when you've got something important. They on. do, they do. And so he wasn't sleeping a lot, which meant, of course, that I wasn't sleeping a lot. So I did kind of crash now after Dublin Fringe. But again, do you know, sometimes it's good. Like I'm, I, I definitely am guilty of trying to do too much. But I think sometimes when you crash like that, it's just like your body's way of reminding you it's okay to rest, you know, it really is. And that not even, you don't have to have kids, I think, to embrace that hmm. mantra. Like it is okay to just rest. And why do we have to even learn that? I know. Yeah. And it's just this feeling that it's, you know, that, oh, well, you know, sleeping, I could be doing something else. I could be yeah. cleaning that. Over productivity. Like. Yeah. And as you say, sometimes the best way you're served is to just sleep. We forget that it's like a primary function. It's not even, you know, we're encouraged, obviously, to take on so much self-care and everything. But like there are just primary needs which don't fall into a self-care category. Mm. Sleep is one of them. Yes. You know, it's not a treat to sleep. If you are losing hours and like, I feel like I'm losing a backlog of hours. I will still allow myself to have a little moment of sleep now. It's like, yeah, because do you remember, do you remember two years ago when we got no sleep? I know. I'm making up for it. But it, it it's hard in, in this world where it feels like a failure or something to say, I'm tired. Yes. And, you know, it's something even my friends who, who don't have kids, actually, most of my best friends actually probably don't have kids um I would say my besties besties um I don't I'm trying to do the maths in my head I, I most of them probably wouldn't have kids but you know I would find them saying uh oh I know I don't have a child but I'm just so wrecked or I know I shouldn't be saying this to you because you know you've got a smallie and you're driving all around the country and but I'm actually really tired and I always say to them it's okay to be tired. That always annoyed me when I didn't have kids that people would kind of have this attitude of, oh, you don't know what tired is because you don't have kids. I hate that. It's just so diminishing. And ultimately- patronizing as well. It is patronizing. And people, I remember, you know, I remember people kind of saying that to me or whatever, Mm. like, or that was the vibe of, oh, sure, isn't it well for you? Like try having two smallies, three smallies, one smallie, whatever. Mm. Um, you know, it is patronizing. And I think 
it's okay to be tired. Mm. And I was tired as I tell people, like my friends who don't have kids, like before I had Ted, I was very tired in other ways because I was teaching full time. I was doing comedy at night and I was driving all around the country and I was getting very little sleep those days as well. And I was wrecked and I didn't have kids. So yeah, it's, it's okay to be tired whether you have kids or whether you don't. It is about minding ourselves and it is about managing our time and it is about managing the pursuit of the things that recharge us and give us that little bit of joy back. But also I love that story of never believing that you deserved it, never believing that it would happen, never believing that it could happen. That massive limiting belief that didn't come true. And if I'm going to take anything, I suppose, from this, it's that it's possibly we can convince ourselves that we don't deserve the wonderful things that are coming for us. And we don't ever, ever know what is ahead and what lovely little surprises the universe has in store for us. I think it's no coincidence that you were making those appointments and having those you know, information sessions around how to do this alone, just as you met the person who would be the dad to your little boy and create this family with. Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily believe in manifesting or anti-manifesting. I do believe in maybe little, little fairies in the universe. Oh yeah, I think it's all. Together. I think if you want something, it's all about putting it out there to the universe. Um, and that's it. You know, even a friend of mine, she's amazing, and she was saying to me yesterday, she was talking about how she will always ask the universe to help her or guide her or you know help her to maybe achieve something but then she always says but I always say or something better yeah because sometimes <laughs> we really limit not ourselves. just the thing I yeah 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 I kind of loved totally. that I was like you're right like, you should be saying or some something even better because yeah sometimes we do limit ourselves and we shouldn't yeah yeah why 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 just get what it is that you can imagine maybe there's something completely different but that ultimately is better for all of us for sure. And I do think, you know, I, I definitely do believe in like putting stuff out there to the universe and the universe does respond. Like, as you say, you know, even the fact that I kind of was going for those appointments and then I met Fred and not that, you know, if I didn't need to meet Fred to have a baba, but like, no. it's just interesting how I think it kind of all worked out that way. It's lovely. Do you think that now if you find yourself slipping into that thought pattern about future things, whatever they may be, that you can lean on that and be like, yeah, you were wrong then though. Yeah, I for sure. And I do remind myself, you know, even if certain things, you know, if you're having a day where it's all kind of getting a bit too much or things aren't working yeah. out or, you know, especially like if you maybe get rejected from a job, or you don't get mm -hmm. something. I do always remind myself that my younger self would have been so happy mm. if she had seen where I was. You know, I'm working in an industry that I love. I have a baby that I adore. I have a, you know, a husband. We get on with each other most of the time, not a whole at the time. Um, you know, my younger self would have been so over the moon with that. So sometimes when I am disappointed by things now, I remind myself just how impressed my younger self would be with the current me. And that's something that I think kind of does comfort me a bit. Well, I took lots of comfort from being reminded that maybe the things I tell myself aren't true and maybe I do need to 
look back at old versions of me and be like, do you remember you didn't think you could handle that? Well, you did. Do you remember you couldn't get through that night? You did. Do you remember you didn't think you might be living the life that you currently have and you are? Um, I think we're so pressured all the time to maybe be always seeking what's next and striving for more as opposed to maybe actually seeing, well, the life that I'm living now is the one that I dreamed of and hoped for and don't wish it away because it's it's what I've always been wanting to have as I'm screaming at my children to put their shoes on and get the hell out the door. <laughs> Thank you for joining me this morning. Um, I wish you so much good luck with the tour, with, you know, I just feel like you as a comedian, you're just growing. You're, you're, I'm just uh, finding you everywhere. Mate. I'm delighted for you. I feel like, as you said, maybe there were little gifts of COVID and that was that you could take a step out of the industry because the industry was a little bit quiet and paused and have your baby be in that bubble and now fully emerge and just live and pursue the things that make you happy. Oh, Sinead, thanks so much. I was so good to chat. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening and to Water Wipes, the number one baby wipe in Ireland for their support. Their wipes are made with simply two ingredients and nothing else and are plastic free, meaning you can do what's best for your baby's skin and the planet. If you enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, rate or leave a review. Share this episode across social and get in touch with this week's guest at Julie J Comedy on Instagram.